Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to talk to you about the fact that government is ordained of God. Not a particular form of government, but government in general. Now we might ask, are all systems of government good? And the answer is no. Are all government officials in whatever form of government they may be operating good? Again, the answer is no. But that is all obvious. However, government is ordained of God. And one area of responsibility that God ordained government has is what we would refer to as the judicial branch. I would like for all of us to turn together to the familiar passage found in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, in which Paul clearly addresses the judicial function of government. The passage says, Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they you have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. In our particular judicial system, we have various levels of courts. We have the various lower local courts. We also have another level, the various courts of appeal. We also have the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, I recognize that that is a massive oversimplification of our judicial system, but it is sufficient for my purpose in this episode. Even if any of us have never been in any level of our legal system, we've seen the various levels on the news, read about them in the newspaper, heard reports about them via the radio, and so on. I'd like for us to consider 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where we find the Apostle Paul responding to numerous critics who questioned his motivation, his work, and his authority in Corinth. It is a fascinating chapter, a chapter that really lets us look into the depth of Paul's feelings. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3-5. through 5. There we find, But to me it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. 
Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Now you may not have noticed it at first glance, but in this passage Paul mentioned three judgments we all face, or shall I say three levels of judgment we all face, with varying degrees of importance. Since he wrote of them in the order of their importance, that's how I want to look at them today. First of all, let's look at the judgment of the lower court. Let's consider the court of public opinion. I've heard people say, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me or about what I do. But the Apostle Paul was not of that mindset. He wrote, but to me it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by any human court. We should be careful not to misunderstand what Paul is saying here. He wasn't dismissing the weight of public opinion. As a matter of fact, Paul quite often defended himself before this very court of public opinion. He did it to win and maintain the confidence of those to whom he preached. For instance, let's consider Acts chapter 20 verses 18 through 21 which contains a portion of what Paul had to say to the Ephesian elders by way of farewell. Those verses tell us, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I'm teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been in 1 Corinthians 4. Let's turn our attention to 2 Corinthians 4 and read verses 1 and 2. Once again, Paul defends his work in what we might call the court of public opinion. He wrote, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. My friends, it was important to Paul and to his work in the gospel what people thought of him and he would accommodate himself to the particular people he was attempting to teach as much as he could. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 through 23 addresses that particular point. Paul wrote, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel, that I may become a fellow partaker of it. In the same way, it is important for us. 
As Christians, we represent Christ to the world. And if we conduct ourselves in a very shameful way by what we say or do, it most assuredly has an effect on the way people view the gospel of Christ, which we represent. On the other hand, when talking about this lower court, it is possible to put too much emphasis on the judgment of public opinion. The actions of the apostles clearly bear this out. In Acts chapter 4, after being questioned by the Sanhedrin and commanded not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, we find the following in verses 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Moving over just one chapter in Acts to Acts chapter 5, once again, standing before the Sanhedrin, we find in verses 27 through 29 the following. And when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than man. We need to be concerned about how our words and our actions are perceived by those around us, about the influence that they will have. But at the same time, we need to cultivate a wholesome and healthy independence of this lower court of public opinion so that we can accomplish the will of God. Let me give you an example of some who thought too highly of the power of public opinion and thus rejected the Lord. In John 12, verses 42 and 43, we find the following. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. It's pretty easy to see that these individuals placed way too much emphasis on the court of public opinion. That's the same thing folks do who allow friends or relatives to stand between them and obedience to the gospel, or who allow their fears of what others will think to keep them from taking a stand for the Lord. Now, the second court to consider is a higher court of one's own conscience. Going back to 1 Corinthians 4, we find Paul saying, In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. It is interesting to me that in Acts chapter 23 and verse 1, we find Paul making this statement before the Jewish Sanhedrin. He said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. However, he recognized that that was not enough to justify him. For the same man who made that statement also wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul had always done what he thought was right. He had not violated his conscience but he recognized that his conscience wasn't the standard. Do you remember that in his early adult years, Paul was ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women, 
he would put them in prison. Do you remember that he was still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord? Yet in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, we find him saying, In view of this, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before both God and before men. In other words, he always did what he believed to be right, even when referring to the time when he was persecuting the church. Paul said in Acts chapter 26 verses 9 through 11, So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. My friends, thinking he was right did not make him right. Many think that as long as his higher court of one's own conscience gives them the okay, that they therefore must be acceptable to God. But that is not true. A good conscience is necessary, but like Paul, we can have a good conscience and still be chief of sinners. A conscience can be hardened, and I know that this happens even among Christians. The Hebrew writer writing to brethren wrote in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Consider also 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, where the Apostle Paul wrote, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Our conscience can be misinformed, and we, through our own arrogance and pigheadedness, can begin to do what we know inside is wrong and eventually convince ourselves that it is right, or so sear our conscience that we don't feel guilt. The court of one's own conscience is a higher court than the court of public opinion, but there is still a higher court before which we all must stand. The final court of appeal, the Supreme Court, will be when we all stand before the God of heaven and face his judgment. At that court, no arguments can be made. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, we find, But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. We may have been able to convince ourselves that a lack of conviction and faithfulness is all right. That won't work with God. We are told in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10, For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, we are told, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done whether good or bad. 
Hebrews 9.27 emphasizes that this is an appointment that we are all going to keep. It simply says, and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. In the long run, it is of little consequence what men may think of me, provided I have lived according to God's word to the best of my ability. But I will tell you that personally it does matter to me what people think of me. It really doesn't matter if I am small or great in my own eyes. However, if in the day of judgment I stand approved before God, then all the trials and difficulties of this life will have been worth it. On the other hand, should I find the approval of all men and been able to justify myself in my own mind, yet end up rejected by the Lord, what have I done? My friends, we can't fool God. He knows the very thoughts and intents of the heart. We may fool men. We may even fool ourselves. But we will be judged by God and what he knows about us. And what is there about us that he does not know? Maybe some will want to say to the Lord on that day that I was found innocent in the lower court of public opinion. Or I was justified in the appellate court of my own conscience. But all of that won't matter if we're not justified before the Lord. Jesus said in John 12, verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has the one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Various levels of judgment, various levels of courts. Things to think about. Thanks for listening.